Well, again, if you're visiting with us tonight, um, our dear brother Charlie Jaworski uh, was taken home suddenly to be with the Lord this past Wednesday, uh, unexpectedly, and uh, and uh, logging accident, and um, we uh, know that to us it's a shock, it still is, but it wasn't a shock to the Lord. I want to remind you that uh, in Psalm 139, that... Uh, for each of us, our days are appointed. They are unknown to any of us. We don't know. And it's, it's good for us to try to be healthy and try to take care of ourselves. And when we are sick, to try to get better. And it's good for us to try to prolong our lives as we're able to. But the reality is that Psalm 139, the psalmist says, In your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. And so there's a certain amount of days, hours, minutes, seconds that uh, I have. I don't know them. That's, That's known to the Lord. But it is known to the Lord. And that is a great comfort. That that helps us in times of shock and what seems from our perspective a, a kind of a freak accident and you know, we just shake our heads and wonder at something like that. But even though it comes to us as such a shock as it has, what a comfort it is to know that it's not really an accident at the end of the day. That God knew exactly when Charlie would home, go home to be with him. And, and it's, you know, it's terrible, the accident, but, but there is a little bit of, I don't know, dare say humor that that is exactly what Charlie loved to do. Um, I mean, that is what, uh, you know, we, we talked about. We talked about the Lord mostly, but when we weren't talking about the Lord, you know, once in a while we'd talk about just going out in the woods and cutting wood and just for the fun of it. Um, and that's how I think of cutting wood. I, don't, I just, to me, there's few things better than if I have a Saturday uh, when I'm able um, and that's what Charlie was doing, just kind of going out in the pasture, and there was a big old oak tree, and the Lord ordained that through that time that he would take him home to be with him. And we are comforted that believe it was a very sudden, um, I, I think Charlie didn't suffer. I don't think he, I think we, none of us were there, but I think he was instantly in the arms of his Savior. And um, so that's a great comfort to us. Well, tonight I want to talk about this question. What, what happens when a Christian dies? What happens when a Christian dies? And I want, as I said, to examine that question in the Scriptures, obviously because of our dear brother and uh, some questions some may have. Also, I just find over the years, even with uh, my, my brothers and sisters who have been believers for many years, that there, there remains a lot of confusion as to you know, just what is it that happens to a Christian when he or she dies. And uh, I especially tonight, again, to the kids. How many kids? We got kids? Can you raise your hand? You here tonight? All right, good. All right, that's right. And uh, so I want kids that are here, I want you to know what the Bible says about what happens when... Uh, people who believe in Jesus, Christians, die. And I, don't want, I want you to be comforted. I don't want you to be afraid. So I want to talk to you tonight about that. Now, first of all, I, I want to just um, 
lay down this foundational truth that, that for the Christian, and a Christian, who's a Christian? A Christian is somebody who believes that Jesus Christ is God's Son, the Lord, and that he died on the cross for our sins, and that by trusting in him as our Savior, we can be forgiven of our sins, and that we can be with God forever. So this is what we're talking about as Christians, those who are Jesus' people. And in the Bible, the first thing we want to understand is that the Bible emphasizes that God made us as embodied beings. Embodied, E-M-B-O-D-I-E-D. We are bodily creatures. When God made Adam and Eve, he made them not only souls or spirits, but he made them with bodies. And that's how he made men and women. And one day, um, when, we, uh, when, we, when we die now, our bodies go into the ground. They, our, bodies, our bodies right now, when a Christian dies, our bodies don't go to heaven. Uh, one day, Jesus is going to come again. And at the resurrection, he's going to... He's going to cry, and with a command, with the authority that only he has, he is going to command the bodies of those who are his to rise from the dead. And we'll look a little bit more at that. But what I want to underscore is that we will, in the future, as Christians, have new bodies like the Lord Jesus. And we will... We sang about mansions of glory. We won't just, don't worry, we're not just going to be wandering around mansions, right? There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, ultimately, the heavenly city of Jerusalem. And if, if we look, you know, sometimes we get nervous when we hear about streets of gold and, you know, we think, oh boy, this is going to be gaudy. Um, dear brothers and sisters, look around the world, the most beautiful spots, and I've said this before, God doesn't do gaudy. He doesn't. He does not do cheesy. He does good, beautiful. And think about it. This world is fallen, corrupt, and yet we still have views or experiences on the ocean or a lake or a beautiful view, and our jaw still drops, and we say, "Wow!" So, if this is a fallen creation, what beauty are we going to experience? in our resurrected bodies, in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we are ultimately going to have resurrected bodies. But here's, here's my main point, first point. The resurrection we, does not happen now when we die. When we die now, our bodies stay here. And whatever, they, they ultimately decay. Um, they ultimately, you know... Go back to dust. And when a Christian dies, we are, our souls or our spirits are instantly in the presence of the Lord. I want to bring you to two passages tonight that underscore this. Philippians chapter 1. Let's begin there if you want to turn there with me. Philippians chapter 1. So I want to be very, I'll repeat myself many times probably. But the first thing I want you to know is that when a Christian dies, 
our soul and spirit are instantly ushered into the presence of God. Not our bodies, not yet. So sometimes people talk about, you know, being in heaven and, you know, jumping up and down and dancing. Not yet. Charlie, not yet. Oh, he will. But not yet. He doesn't have his body yet. Um, oh, he, he'll, that body will be raised. Make no mistake about it. But right now, Charlie's soul or his spirit, and I think in scriptures they are interchangeable. Some, some would uh, you know, say there's a distinction between soul and spirit. But, but your soul, your spirit, is instantly in the presence of the Lord. Conscious. We'll look at that too. But Philippians chapter 1, you're already there. And I want you to see... Oh, I need to turn there. Galatians, Ephesians. When Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, he's in prison, and he believes he's going to be released from prison, but he's not quite sure. He knows that he could be executed. And he says... Verse 21 of chapter 1, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's interesting, Paul. Why why would dying for Paul be gain? He He tells us, If I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. So if he stays, he can continue to minister, he can continue to be effective that way. But he says, I don't know which to choose. But I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. So what we learn here and elsewhere in the New Testament is that when a believer dies, he or she is with Christ. Her soul or her spirit, his soul, his spirit, is ushered into the presence of Christ. And it's conscious. In other words, some, some teach soul sleep because there are references in the New Testament. Uh, Paul, uh, rather Jesus, talks about Lazarus falling asleep. Um, we'll look a little bit later at 1 Thessalonians and talks about this phrase, those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. But falling, falling asleep is just a, it's a metaphor for death. It's a, it's a, it's a tender, actually very precious um, image, uh, euphemism for, for death, for, di- for a believer dying. And uh, it, it's a, it's a, in other words, for a believer, no matter the means of his or her death, the actual death is, is like falling asleep. But that believer, your soul, your spirit, you're not sleeping. You are in the presence. Paul says it's very much better. He doesn't say it's very much better to check out and just be oblivious. It's not what he says. He says it is very much better to depart and be with Christ. So Charlie tonight is with Christ, with Jesus Christ. His soul spirit is with Jesus Christ. Another passage I'd bring you to to show you this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and here Paul talks about the body, about death, and he, he, he uses the image of the body kind of like a tent. And uh, Paul was actually a, a tent maker, so he 
he had a little knowledge of what a tent was like. And, you know, we have a couple tents at home for camping, and um, we put them up, and we take them down, and it's kind of a pain in the neck, isn't it? Uh, but, but he images here this, this, he uses the image of the, bo- of the body being like a tent. He says, verse 1, We know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's talking about the body. In this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Um, Verse 4, indeed, while we are in this tent, while we are in this body as believers, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. He's saying, you know, no one likes death itself, and, and that's good. I mean, death itself is a nasty thing. It's our enemy. It separates us from our loved ones. It's a consequence of the fall. And it's okay that as believers we have an aversion to death. It's okay. Um, because that process, we don't want to be unclothed. We don't want to be debodied, if you will. Because God made us to be embodied beings. Uh, but, but, we don't have to be afraid. Because, verse 6, Therefore, always being of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now let me just pause there. The Lord Jesus is with us tonight by His Spirit. And it's a very real, His presence is very real. But what we're looking forward to is seeing the risen, resurrected Jesus face to face. So right now, I'm absent from my Lord. You're absent from your Lord. Right this moment, Charlie is no longer absent from his Lord. He is in the presence of the risen, glorified Lord Jesus Christ. So, verse 8, we are of good courage, Paul says, and prefer, rather, to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. So, Paul is, is not, you know, it's not a death wish. He recognizes that life is good, that he has a purpose in serving the Lord here. He recognizes that death itself is, is not pleasant, like being unclothed. Um, but it is preferable to be absent from the body. It's actually preferable for a Christian, for his or her soul, spirit, to be separated from the body for a time. And for her soul or spirit to be with the Lord, that is far much better to be with the Lord. And again, this underscores the fact that it's, it's not a, when a Christian dies, you're not going to sleep and, and then you wake up, you know, uh, however many years later. It is to be, to be absent from the body. You see this? While we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. But verse 8, to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Just like that. So when a believer dies, when, when Charlie died, his soul, his spirit, was ushered immediately into the presence of the Lord Jesus. And he was aware of that. He's aware of that. For it's much better. I mean, you know, uh, 
sleep is is enjoyable sometimes, but you really don't, you know, it's it's the sleep itself, you're unconscious. You don't know what's going on. In both these passages and elsewhere, um, and I'll show you one more, um, it's clear that the souls and spirits of those who are with the Lord are conscious and and in the enjoying the presence of the Lord. So, kids, let me be clear. So when a Christian dies, let me try to be clear, your body or my body for a little while will stay here and it'll go in the grave. But your, your mind, you'll be able to think and your soul, your spirit, your heart, you'll be with Jesus. You'll be aware of Him and you'll know it's Him and you'll know His love and you'll know His kindness and His presence and you will be happier when you die as a Christian than you have ever been in your life. You won't be sad. You won't have pain. You will be in the presence of Jesus with great joy. It will be the happiest moment in your existence. Now, someday then, later, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to raise your body from the grave. How do we know we can do that? Well, who made your body the first time around? That's no problem. Sometimes people get really weird about, you know, well, what will happen if the body is, you know, decayed and dust? He made you out of the dust of the ground. It's no problem. It's not an issue to pull together the particles from here and there. And he'll remake, remake your body, believer. And, uh, and then we'll have a new body. But that, that'll be in the future. That's not now. So, listen, don't, when, if somebody's grieving and they say about a believer, oh, they're, they're, um, you know, they're, they're whatever, they're, rejo- they're um, dancing or they're walking or they're running. And don't say, oh, no, they're not. They don't have their resurrection body. Just, just let them talk about that. But you know, not yet. And let me show you one passage here. Let's go to Revelation 6. Actually, on your way to Revelation, stop at Hebrews. Let's, go to, let's stop at Hebrews first, and then we'll go to Revelation Hebrews chapter 12. Very interesting that the author of Hebrews, talking to believers, urging us to draw near to God in prayer on the basis of the work of Christ, says that, verse 22, you, believer, New Covenant Christian, you have come to Mount Zion and the city of living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. To, in other words, as a believer in Jesus Christ, these things are, are your inheritance. The, the, this is, this is your, these are your people. These, this is your inheritance. Not Mount Sinai. But, but the heavenly city, Jerusalem. All these glorious things are yours by way of faith in Jesus Christ. And you've come to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven. Who's that? That's all believers. That's the church. That's you. You've come to God, the judge of all, and, interesting, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. That right now, we have, in our worship of God and of Christ, a fellowship, in a sense, even with the spirits of 
of those who have gone to be with the Lord. Now, we don't hear from them. They don't talk to us. We don't talk to them. But as we worship the Lord tonight, we know that we're not the only ones. There are brothers and sisters around the world worshiping Jesus today. And angels, are our angels worshiping God and Jesus right now? Mm -hmm. So we're joining the angels. And the spirits, look at verse 23, the spirits of the righteous. Is Charlie a righteous man? Why? Because of faith in Jesus Christ and because of his living in a righteous manner. He, his spirit is in, he's been, notice it, made perfect. Oh, what a comfort that is. So Christian, you can know this too, that when you die... Your spirit goes to be with the Lord and your sin nature is stripped from you. It's gone. You're, I mean, oh, what a gift. Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. And I share with you this morning, I know Charlie, you know, you don't think of him as, as a sinner, but he knew himself to be a sinner and and he just grieved over his sin as, as a righteous man. Well, he's, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. No more fight with the flesh. The spirits of the righteous made perfect. So, again, we, the spirits are, are of the righteous made perfect are in the presence of God right now. So then, Revelation 6. Now, in all these references, we're just getting little pictures, okay, of of what happens when a believer dies. And we're gleaning observations. Um, and, and there are some specifics in each passage, but we can glean some basic transferable truths. And in Revelation 6, we have a scene. When the Lamb, verse 9, broke the fifth seal, when Jesus broke the fifth seal... John saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. Now, now these are martyred saints, and Charlie was not a martyred saint. But what I want you to notice is that, verse 10, these souls, these souls of believers, are able, verse 10, to cry out with a loud voice. They're able to speak, and they do speak. How long, O Lord, holy and true, Will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe. Now that's interesting. This is where it gets a little interesting. Their spirits, their souls, they don't have bodies, and yet they're given a white robe. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Now don't make a lot of that, but it is interesting uh, that, for example, angels are spiritual beings, Right? Angels are spirits. They're souls. They're spirits. They, they were not created with bodies. They are spiritual beings. And yet, it's interesting, when angels, who are messengers of the Lord, uh, appear in the Bible, they appear as men with a physical form. So that's interesting, that a spirit. And then you think of examples like Samuel. When, uh, when he appears to Saul, and, and it's a physical form as a spirit. When on the Mount of Transfiguration, um, Moses and Elisha 
uh, appear. Now, they're not resurrected yet. Moses hasn't been resurrected yet. And yet, the disciples can see these, uh, these bodies. So just interesting. Don't make a lot of it. Don't, don't make a whole theology out of that. But it's just interesting that even as soul spirits in the Scriptures, there's some evidence that, that some, there can be a visible form. Okay? So I don't know what Charlie looks like right now. Um, better than ever, probably. But, but uh, he's a soul. And he, he, he is. He always ha- he's had a soul spirit. And he is consciously in the presence of the Lord. His body is still here. But his soul spirit is in the presence of the Lord. And he is the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And he's able to talk. So Christian, when you die, you're able to be aware. You are able to think. You are able to remember. You are able to worship God. You are able to praise God. And so that's interesting. You, you don't have your body, and yet God gives to your soul spirit the ability, nonetheless, to praise and to worship God. That's hard for us to think about because we, we, are, we have bodies, so it's hard for us. How, how does a soul spirit without a body engage in those things? I don't know, but that's the biblical testimony. Um, so, when a Christian dies, our body stays here for a little while, until the resurrection, and our soul or spirit is instantly in the presence of the Lord. And because of this, then, um, we don't need to grieve as those who have no hope. Turn to 1 Thessalonians, if you would. Chapter 4, verse 13. So, Charlie's soul spirit is in the presence of Jesus. He, he knows he's in the presence of Jesus. He, we've been saying how happy he is. He is. He, he's, he, he's able to experience joy and delight and peace and wonder and worship. It is very much better to depart and be with Christ. And Paul says in first, well, what about, what about Charlie's body? Um, you know, it's, uh, he, it was, he was 74 years old. And, uh, you know, even Charlie was having as active as he was, was starting to have aches and pains and, uh, you know, a knee that was really kind of bothering him. And, um, you know, as, as active as he was, he was starting to slow down just a little bit. Well, the good news is, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. Brethren, we do not want you to be informed about those who are asleep. And that's, a, that's an allusion to those who have died. They're not, Charlie's not sleeping, but it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a euphemism for, for death. So that you do not grieve as the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. What a beautiful phrase that is. Fallen asleep in Jesus. Fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. So, let me pause. We believe that Jesus could come at any moment and return and bring us to himself. And if Jesus came 
right now, in the next, let's say, in the next five minutes, I got some news for you. Are you ready? Charlie be first. <laughs> He'd beat us to being his body. He's, he's already with Jesus and his soul, but that, that body that is over at the funeral home right now would instantly be, be in the... I mean, God can raise, raise that body. Tra- translate, transform that body. And if you think that's difficult, can, think about how mangled the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was after the beatings, the scourging, the flogging, the rod, the thorns on the head, the nails, the, the torture, the dehydration. He was a mangled man by the time they took him off that cross. And on the first day of the week, God raised him from the dead and took that mangled corpse and renewed it and transformed it and made it into a glorious, imperishable body with scars. And why scars in Jesus? I I don't think there's going to be scars in any believers. But why scars in Jesus? Because His scars are like no others. They are a perpetual testimony to His finished substitutionary atonement and death for us. So that one of the joys we have in, in future and glory and worshiping our Lord is the constant reminder of his victory on the cross and his death for our sins. So, so if Jesus were to come tonight, um, he would come for us and we would, be, we would be instantly transformed and raised bodily to be in the presence of the Lord. But those who have fallen asleep would go first. So Charlie would be ahead of us. He'd beat us with a new body. And um, that's, that's what the text says. And it's, it's wonderful. And it says here that the Lord, verse 16, will descend himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Oh man, what a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That's why I'm saying. So, so Charlie right now is among the dead in Christ. He's in Christ. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Wonderful comfort. Wonderful comfort. So when a Christian dies, we'll close. I just want to just wrap it up. So, kids, can I, can I ask you, just make sure I've been clear? Any, any, any kids, can you tell me what happens when a Christian dies? What do you think? You can, you can say, any kids want to say? Yeah. Brock, what do you think? Haddon? Your soul goes to heaven, that's right, to be with Jesus, that's right. Yeah. What happens to our bodies? A little quiz. Do our bodies go to heaven when we die right now? Not yet, right? They stay here. But we are, when, when we die, we are with Jesus right away. No more pain, no more sorrow. And then one day Jesus will come and he'll remake our body and we'll be with not only Jesus, but Paul says we'll be together with him in the clouds. 
And so we have not, if you're a believer, you have not seen the last of Charlie Jaworski. And I am so glad about that. Um, I am so glad that I'll see my brother, we'll see him again, and others. Um, you know, there's a hymn, The Church is One Foundation, and there's a line in that hymn that says that we as the church have mystic, sweet communion with those whose rest is one. I wonder if you've ever thought about that line. We have mystic, mystical, in other words, spiritual, sweet communion with those whose rest is one. Every time we worship God in Jesus, we have an opportunity not only to love one another, but to remember those who are already with Him. And we can be sure that as we worship the Lord Jesus, that our loved ones, like Charlie, are doing the same, and therefore we have mystic, sweet communion. And so, you know, my, my father-in-law, he's, he's in glory, he's with Jesus, but he's with us when we, I think of him. Um, uh, my friend Harold Duff, Ed knew Harold, I, I think of him. I, I have mystic, sweet communion with these saints who are in the presence of the Lord. Even John Owen, one of my great, my great heroes, a Puritan, uh, never met him. I'm a little scared to, but... Uh, but when I worship the Lord, I, we worship with these great saints of old, David, Moses, all of them. So, well, you've been patient tonight. I hope, this, I hope this is helpful. I hope you're equipped because I'm telling you, not just unbelievers, but a lot of Christians are confused. And you're equipped now with these scriptures to go and just kind of walk through and to comfort one another with these things. So let's pray. God, we thank you for such hope such comfort um, that you are you by your spirit indwell the believer that your spirit is given as a pledge as a deposit that you will never ever let go of what you purchased with the blood of your son that you have bought us that you indwell us we even marvel that you have your angels to watch over us And so we are protected. And so death, though we hate death, and death is the ultimate enemy, we thank you that death is conquered and has lost its sting. And so that for the believer to die is even better because it is to depart and to be with Christ. So we thank you tonight that our brother Charlie is in your presence we miss him sorely, dearly. We, we don't know, Lord, in a sense, what we'll do without him. But we know that you'll take care of us and that you are here. The same spirit that indwells Charlie is here with us. And, and that as we worship you tonight, that we're joining even now in fellowship, sweet communion. We thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen.